As I said, you know, I think I may have ruined this podcast. <laughs> we'll get to the end of the podcast. Is we've had better pods. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Three and In, the Desert Island Football Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Astom, and joining me tonight, as ever, is Derek Byrne. Hello. And Owen Gurry. Good evening. Before we introduce the guest tonight, I'd just like to remind everyone to sign up or follow us on your podcast app. I don't really know how it works, but you'll see then we ha- when we have a new episode and it will be really fun for you. That was uh, prompted by our producer, <laughs> who is our guest tonight, Ross Morrison. Welcome back Hello. to the show. Good How are you, mate? How are you, mate? I'm good. I'm good, yes. I've been very busy and now less so. So here I am. Too busy to podcast? Just a little. Not that I have. Uh, every episode that I listen to, I'm like, oh, I wish I was part of that. So, Ross, obviously you've heard the podcast before. I hope. All the way through? When when I was editing them, yes. You like to go clubbing. Do you still go clubbing? No, not these days, no. No, no. Back I would like to, though. Back in the day. Yeah. Sweating on the dance floor. So I've given you a th- sweating on the dance floor themed. <laughs> um, Where is this going? Challenge. Okay. Yeah. I've never been good at this game. So I would like you to get from Ibiza. To spice the spice the drug like, spice. <laughs> oh, spice, not space. I thought I thought I did think you meant space. <laughs> the rough drug. I've never, t- I've never, uh, Sam. Uh, In brackets, rough drug. Never tried that, <laughs> um, so I don't know what the effects are. I've never and tried that. it either. Don't uh, try this at home, kids. Yeah, I think it's something that people take in prison. But what what is it though? I know it's spice. called spice, but what is it? I've absolutely no idea. But you have to get from Ibiza to spice via Mario Balotelli, a man who liked to party. Ibiza? No, hold on. Well, that's right. That's the start. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm, I keep coming back to the Venga Boys. Uh, no, I'm thinking that, yeah. and uh, on to maybe the Venga bus, um, which which can take us to um, match day bus. <laughs> That's what I was I was trying to do that. So Ibiza, Seat is a car. Mario Balotelli had a car that he drove through to fill up in petrol and gave out lots of money for free. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. Right. Didn't he drive, drive into a women's prison or something like that? Yeah, yeah. He, did, he, did, he needed to use a toilet. <laughs> the last place you'd go. Yeah, I... Just pop in. Mad, just it? pop in. Sure, there's like, you know, you, you know Divya and Mackey's are down the road. Surely you don't go to the women's prison, do you? <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were going to go down there, the road to the prison to spice the rough drug that is often consumed in prisons. Oh, so we're going women's prison, prison spice is a drug that we, yeah. people may be taking prison. Yeah. Not not really a party drug then. No. 
Well, that ruined, well, that ruined the whole thing, didn't it? Well, I'll take it. I'll take it, guys. Just to move on from that disaster. <laughs> Just to move on from that car. Get, car better, uh, better rounds. Okay, well. It can only get better, and I think it is going to get better with these choices. Ross, who is your first pick? So my first pick, as I was saying to you, Sam, while you were waiting on the other two, um, is are, all my picks are play, are players that I've at one stage in my life or another hated or detested for one reason or another. Um, and the first one is Jurgen Klinsmann. Jurgen Klinsmann. Jurgen Klinsmann. First German. First German on the podcast. Could be. I, you know, he, for him, for me, like I'm a bit older than you guys, so I, I kind of remember the Premier League starting. I remember there being hubbub about it, um, and how it was like I was only young, I was only like ten or whatever, but I still remember it. But so they were like um, trying to make this brand of football that was moving away from the, the sort of the violence kind of people weren't going to football matches anymore and it was very low crowds and they're kind of like someone had went over to America and saw the NFL and like we need to do that over and that was their whole thing and Sky and everything so but I don't think that really kicked off like you could argue Cantona but I think Cantona came to England with a much more not as much of a fuss I think when Klinsman arrived it was kind of like this is a World Cup winner you know, sign up for Spurs. You know, I don't know how long it's been since Spurs won the league, but like sign up for Tottenham Hotspur. Um, and it was just like, whoa, like this is a superstar that we've not really seen and like not like that hasn't been homegrown, you know. And I just remember him coming and, and you were automatically sort of forced to not like him because of his reputation of like being a diver and stuff like that. And I just remember being like my dad sort of giving me a vibe of like, oh, this guy's a fucking prick. Um, and then he, he he left such an indelible mark on the premiership. And, and he only he only was in, in it for two seasons, like not even consecutive seasons. You know, so it was he was there for one season with Spurs and then another season and he went back. Yeah. He, so, no, he went he went to Spurs and then... Was it... He was at Monaco. Monaco? Under Arsene Wenger. Yeah. And then things... But he was prolific even then, so he was already the real deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was, was like, a world superstar. Mm. You know, like, like you think of the World Cups that he's... that people watch him in and be very good in. You know, those iconic shirts that he... that he... he, when you think of Germany in the 90s, you think of your... That's just a fact. So, yeah, he... uh, like him coming was just was fantastic and so I remember feeling given this sort of feeling of oh I, I don't really like him but I don't know why and it was almost immediate it's just this guy's class you know like you would stay up to watch much of the day he just because he I kind of had the impression that he was just a diver sort of fox in the box kind of player but he really wasn't I remember watching the 94 World Cup and um at the time, this was obviously just before he joined Spurs for the first time. And I think it was ITV. They did a compilation of all his dives I was doing in the tournament. This is where the reputation got ramped up and ramped up with the English media. And of course, then he joins. 
and um, you know, he rocks up in his VW Beetle. He's a bit different. He obviously come, came knowing the reputation. I think with Sheffield Wednesday made his debut, and remember he did the dive. Yeah. And what really what made me laugh as well is like just doing a bit of research and remembering. He came into the press conference afterwards and he asked a question. Know of any good diving schools in London? He owned it, didn't he? He owned that persona after that moment, which is very impressive because that showed, I think, quite good media savvy, taking you know the 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 narrative away from them and back on him. I think you know he did show that it was quite quite clever, quite cute. Absolutely, and I think he he he's got this kind of persona, especially now that he like you'd love to be his friend. I mean, like you he would he would love he would love having this chat, you know, about other footballers. I think, uh, and but he went on the pitch. Like I remember him being quite spicy sometimes. Like he would he would he would get pissed off and you know throw swings his arm and stuff like that. Like he was he was a wee bit dirty as well. Do you think also that there was a bit of a you mentioned Cantona, but maybe like a rehabilitation of uh, or the refinement of English football because the Germans had been successful internationally. The Bundesliga wasn't so much on the radar of the British public, but it was perhaps a bit more established. The Premier League was, like Sam said, a bit more brutal. And it was still coming to terms with itself as this new global product and yeah, you, Klinsman sort of helps um, burnish that reputation that the Premier League was a place where the stars could come because yeah. he was the first German star to come for like 20 years or something so and, and not that we've had loads since but he set a mould didn't he? Yeah I believe he's, he's that type of player that at the time you know that's in its infancy and he's the sort of player that someone who just has four channels goes I'll pay the Sky subscription to watch him you know like he, it was him and like Jean-Luc Vialli and Ravinelli yeah. and things like that you know and Janino, you'd, you'd they were players that you wanted to watch and why the Premier League got so popular in the first place I think, yeah. I think you're completely right isn't there a story about so Alan Sugar has a yacht <laughs> and he Zoomed into Monte Carlo Harbour and Klinsman had a playing for Monaco at the time. He had an apartment really close to the seafront that apparently when Alan Sugar was on the phone to him, they could wave to one another from the yacht to the seafront. <laughs> and if that's not just cinematic gold for a nostalgia <laughs> movie, I don't know what is. If you could imagine this husky capitalist Alan Sugar type thinking, I've got to get it. This is pre-apprentice. It's like the challenge of the apprentice. I want you to go to France and get me a... <laughs> why did he come? Do we know anything about why Tottenham? I mean, they had... Who was up front for Tottenham at the time? Bambi. They had a few, didn't they? They had Sherry and Sharon, Bambi. Yeah. And then they had like tackers like Anderton. They had... Dumitrescu, oh, Dumitrescu, yeah. That was it. Yeah, I think he. I think that they signed a load of players that summer. I think, yeah. as I recall, and yeah, Ozzy Ardiles was the manager. So it was very much a you know, pay to watch, but they always can see goals. Mm. For the, you know, yeah, that be Elsa now. And, yeah, yeah, a bit like that. Yeah, yeah. great to watch. 
you know, box office. Yeah, he's conceded <laughs> five, but he's sticking to his plan. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, that um, Alan Sugar was was pissed off when when Klinsman left to go to Bayern Munich. Like he, he came out and said, you know, I can't remember the exact words, but it was like fucking German prick, you know. He's he like, I was like very harsh, and he said that he said he would, he'd never, he would say that it was a phrase. It was like Carlos kick about, Carlos, Carlos kick about, yeah. yeah. And he was like, yeah, that was vaguely racist. He's like these players will <laughs> <that> come in. <laughs> Sorry, he <laughs> these called the just... Jürgen Klinsmann. He called. No, he the said, Klinsmann. he said, players like that who just come in and take a wage and then fuck off somewhere else, you know, the next year. I think he was saying, I mean, you know... He might, he might as well have said, like, you know, he can't play in the winter. No. Yeah. <laughs> Outrageous, really, isn't it? Really, looking back. As a, as a Liverpool fan, I don't know if you remember this, Derek, but he scored a last second winner against Liverpool. Um, yeah. And Spurs beat Liverpool for the first time in something like 70 years. FA Cup or yeah, and and the cop I think the cop gave him a standing ovation. I love that. So the celebration then, the Klinsman dive. I remember you know those days when you're young and it it rains so much that you sort of in that moment where you think, lads, we should really give it <laughs> up now. <laughs> the dugout bit in the goal mouth is just a little lake, and it becomes a bit silly, doesn't it? And that's the moment when everyone decides, should we just do a lot of Klinsmans? And before you know it, you've got like some aqua slide in the middle of the pitch. But where did that come from? That Was it because of the diving? Yeah. Right. That was his first, he scored his first goal, like they all said. He scored his first goal against Sheffield Wednesday and done it straight away. Quiz time. Six German players who have won Premier League winners medals. So Klinsman? No, I'm not talking about oh, Klinsman, no. Michael Ballack. Michael, Michael Ballack. Check. Sebastian Feinsteiger? No. No. Uh, Didi Hammond? No. No. Rudiger? No. Chelsea? No. Uh, Jerome Boateng? No. Gundogan? Gundogan? Yes, Gundogan. Yeah. Is guy Gundogan? Robert Hoot? Robert Tooth. That Robert was a really Hoot. tricky one, Dal. Well done, Robert Hooth. I want to say Mertesacker. No, but you're in the right area. Uh, oh, um, uh, Jens Lehmann. Jens Lehmann, Ross. Put it in Lehmann terms. <laughs> How many have we got left? Uh, two more. They're really difficult, so... Ozil? Not, not for that thing, but is Ozil the other No, um... The guy who's joined Bayern now, winger, Sane. Sane, Lido Sane. There you are. And he was a Chelsea player. Andre Schurler. De Bruyne. Oh, Andre oh, De Bruyne. Schurler. De Bruyne. Yeah. Oh, Shirley, yeah. yeah. Shirley, that's right. De Bruyne is Belgian. Oh, he's Belgian. Yeah. Nice. Enjoyed that. It's a good quiz, that, Sam. Schurler. Schurler. <laughs> Klinsman facts, hit me. Oh, I got one. Ooh. You know that he served an apprenticeship in baking and actually achieved a diploma 
assets. This family bakery, this family owned a bakery in Boatnang. Boat he's referred to as a baker's son when he goes home. Fantastic. He's also got a pilot's license. Didn't know that. Yeah. Didn't know that, Dom. Thank you. That's gold. Absolute gold. <laughs> so he, he, um, he donated all the proceeds of his testimonial game to children's charities. That Wikipedia got a bash in today, didn't it? Oh, that's smart. <laughs> You've had a spike, Jürgen. <laughs> You've had some spice, Jürgen. <laughs> you might think someone's giggling him for a job. Uh, <laughs> we talk chair, about his managerial career. His managerial talk- career? Yeah. Wasn't he the Germany manager? You know what, Dal? I'm a bit yeah, sick of he's... Jürgen Klinsmann. Let's move on. If you want to move the on, manager yeah. career is fairly unremarkable. Fucking diver, anyway. cheating bastard. <laughs> well, nicely summarised. Dell, <laughs> not Dell. Ross. Yes. Should we go on to your second pick? Well, speaking of influential Europeans on in the Premier League, um, and moving on to someone who is, in my opinion the best player to ever play the game of football and that is uh, Cristiano Ronaldo Cristiano big big statements huge <laughs> statements yes. he's a bit good though isn't he he's a bit good he's a bit good we he's good at football he's good at football look yeah. at the look at the Look at the age of him and look at the shape of him. Like, he, he is practically yeah. in, a, in a 29-year-old body. Like he could play these 45. Yeah. But he's in plenty uh, of 29-year-old's bodies. <laughs> he said it himself, though, didn't he? He said it himself. He said, people like to talk about me because I'm unbelievable on the pitch. And he is unbelievable on the pitch. And he's not Russian. And he's not Russian. <laughs> How do you do a Portuguese accent with that sound? Do you know, funny, like, funny enough that Sam said that, I, I always think that Jose Mourinho and Ronaldo sound a bit Russian when they're talking. The Portuguese, there is a bit of Russian vibe to it. No, you're totally right. It's, it's Spanish with a Russian accent. There you go. That's it. Well, my question to you, Ross, is where do you start with Ronaldo? Where? Well, at, at the start. At the start, go on. <laughs> so the first time I'd ever heard of Ronaldo, though I was still very fairly young, like maybe pushing twenty, um, and he, there was this guy. It's this news: Liverpool might sign this kid from Portugal, and he's class, like he's really good. Liverpool are favourites to sign him, and blah blah blah. Right, blah. Stop making it about Liverpool because he never went there. <laughs> but yeah, so when he, so he was one of why why I'm telling you that is that he was automatically. In the bad books, and then joined the joined the worst team in the world that he could have joined in terms of a Liverpool fan. Um, so his whole entire career through Man United, I was never able to appreciate him. Like I, I fucking hated him. Um, can I just can I just interrupt here, just for the listener? Ross is the kind of Liverpool fan who literally calls up Talksport on the bizarre rants. <laughs> Did you know that typical blinkered Liverpool fan? This is Russ. And he's, he's picking CR7. So it, that's a big deal. Also, because I could feel all of you saying, don't pick any more Liverpool players. 
But no, you could tell, even through gritted teeth, you could tell that this kid was like, what a, what a, that made you hate him even more because he was just so good and he knew it and he wasn't afraid of anyone. Do you remember when he first came into the Premier League and he was like, like a stick in? And then after a while, it was, must have been about a season and a half, he just got big and it, 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 no one could touch him then. Yeah. Talk about, obviously, he was stick in when he joined, as you quite rightly mentioned. What, I, what impressed me about him wasn't so much the skills, the step-overs, all of this and the fancy stuff he did. Just how gutty he was. He would get battered a lot on the pitch. Yeah. He'd also get horrible abuse from the fans. Like, and, but he'd always get back up and do it again, and do it again, and do it again. He'd keep coming back. And that, to me, is a sign of a really brave footballer. And, and, I, you and- know... Anything you hear about him, if you're watching a documentary or anything, anyone that's on it will invariably say he just was always training. Like, he, he, whenever the guys went home, he was staying for like three hours, done just training on what he wasn't good at. And I, I guarantee he still does that today. Yeah. Like, I, I read somewhere at, um, at Juventus that they were coming back on the team coach from, um, from, from away match, I think. And um, not played the full match. He got either either came came off maybe earlier, you know, came on late. And um, we went, oh, what are you doing this evening? Just a bit of chit chat. And he went, oh, I'm going back into the gym. I need to do a bit. I need to do more. I need to do more running. I didn't do enough running in the match. So instead of going home, he's back in the gym late at night because just got that mentality like where he has to just keep going keep going keep going there's something in it like that not a lot of people have yeah no it's what I was just going to say I think a lot of that psyche that Dale's talking about you know a good proportion of that is is down to Alex Ferguson I think as well like he probably had a I mean Ronaldo probably would have pushed himself always but I think him pushing himself with Ferguson coaching him has made him the player that he is today, you know, because Ferguson was just another person that I couldn't really appreciate until he retired. And he, like, he was just a f- phenomenal manager and knew how to deal with personalities and any, any ones that he didn't deal with, they just left, you know. One um, episode which really, hit, that, that psyche hit home for me was a La Liga match. It was, I don't know who they were playing, Real Madrid, you know, one of these shit teams like Alaves or something. And they're like five nil up, and the balls come in, and him and Arbaloa, I think, in the box, and Arbaloa sort of pokes it in in front of Ronaldo, like not stealing the goal, like, it, but it was it was going to be Ronaldo's goal, and he was furious, absolutely furious. You're five nil up, it doesn't matter. You've already scored a bag of goals, but he was, and it's Arbaloa who's never scores, just give him the goal, and he was really angry, angry with himself. And that just made me think, wow, this guy's probably a sociopath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like my my partner, she's fascinated by him in, in a way that like like she's she's convinced he's like asexual or or like you know, kind of like can love no one more than himself. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. all very cloudy as personal life, isn't it? Uh, which is fair enough. It's well. absolutely fine, you know. I've heard yeah. plenty of rumors. But on balance, you'd say, because he's coming to the end of his career, and we have to mention that he's still playing, but 
he's managed that well, hasn't he? Yeah. Because he, he's obviously open to all kinds of criticism. Yeah, there's the people have tried to pin things on him, but he's. He, I think he's quite a private person, really. Yeah. And yeah, he's got a lot of money and he's got cars and a big house and all of that, but materially he's not flashy. Obviously, he's flashy in other ways, but he's not a sort of bling footballer. There's no tattoos there. There's, his status is insured in his own head. So, and he knows that. it's People talk about him because when he's on the pitch, he's better than everybody else. And that level of self-confidence can breed a sort of calm in a way, a serenity yeah. where you can rush things off. Have you have you seen the, the documentary that was made of that was the theatrical one, you know, Ronaldo or Cristiano or something? Um it's about the same people that did Amy Winehouse and Maradona. Right. In that it's, it's so it's very sort of like what he does in his house and um, you know, his regime and, and just, just what his personal life's like as opposed to what his football life's like. And it re- even in that, it's kind of like we're not being shown everything here. You know, we're seeing him in his swimming pool and talking about what he's eating and interacting with his children. But it doesn't feel like there's 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 definitely something being hidden and, and, and fair play to him because being that famous, like there's, there's, there's hardly anyone I think can be that famous and be as private as he's been. Again, that comes back to Ferguson, I, I'm imagining, in the way that Ferguson managed Beckham's fame. Yeah, the gigs. He knew that. when Beckham had scored the goal from the halfway line, he, he told him, don't speak to the press, because he knew that he would just be easy pickings, and people would then... And then, obviously, he's dating Posh Spice and everything. But to get back to Ronaldo, you, you can see that there's like a... To use a term you've already used, like surrogate father figure in Ferguson, because Ronaldo lost his father, and he's obviously that's a point for him that his father never got to see the success and the guy that he became. And so maybe there's an extra reach to have some relationship with Ferguson as a sort of guiding influence, and you can see it even when Real Madrid win the Champions League and Ronaldo's going up to get the trophy, and Ferguson's there waiting for him yeah. and he and he stops his march up the steps to go and say hello to Ferguson he, it looks like a father son thing it's yeah, quite endearing really to see it was throughout his formative years I mean they were very important years and years growing up where he was at Man United he really did have that sort of father figure there you know one thing that we do know about Ronaldo's private life his dad was an alcoholic and he, he passed away while he was at Man United as well so I'm, I'm sure that was definitely a factor in regards to cementing relationship with Ferguson. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us Ross goals, memories, records. It was, it, it was only a couple of seasons after he went to Madrid that I was able to kind of like appreciate him, you know, like sort of go, this guy's class, you know, like seeing this in Champions League and stuff like that. I've never really been one for watching other leagues outside of, the outside of the Premier League, just because I'm not really interested. But when you see him in the Champions League, he's just brilliant. And you know that seeing that sort of um, talent and sort of going fuck, you know, he we he watched him every week in the Premier League, and he didn't really appreciate him at the time. So whenever he come comes back to United, now I don't know what it felt like for a United fan, no one. But I was going 
fuck, I, I hope he signs for United because that would just, such what a story that makes, you know? It's such an exciting thing and everyone's, there's still those diehard fans that'll go, oh, he's over the hill and he not scores many goals. And this this guy's going to score 40 goals a season, this season anyway, I think. Yeah. Not disappointed, has he? Yeah. No. Well, some people might find this interesting, others may not or not be surprised by it, but the when Manchester United put it on their uh, Instagram, that they announced that Ronaldo was coming home. It was the most engagement any post from Manchester United's Instagram account had ever had. The game when Ronaldo started against Newcastle only five weeks ago was the most watched Premier League match ever. And that was against Newcastle. And And it was not beat Sky, was it? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't. That was illegally streamed. Illegally streamed, yeah. Yeah. And what I liked about it at the end when they interviewed him, he said, I always expect to score one goal, but two is a bonus. But I love the fact that he expects to score at least one goal a game. We don't expect to score against Newcastle. (laughs) (laughs) Quiz time. Yes. How many champions? I I like this feature. Uh, Um, Six. Six for Ross. Seven. Seven for Owen. Five. Five is correct, our boy. Of course, with, yeah. With whom? One with United, four with Real. Correct. Well done. Yeah. When you talk about goals with well, it's also because of the televised era, of course, but when you when you go on YouTube and put top goals and it's you know top ten goals, Klinsman, top ten goals, not whoever. Yeah. Ronaldo's top fifty. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah, like that, and yeah, that rivalry with with that he has, whether it's you know whether they they entertain it or not, that he has with Messi, um, the 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 amount of goals that they're scoring is just it blows anyone out of the water. Yeah, right, right back to the beginning of soccer, probably you know, um, but I think that rivalry is a moot point. Like Messi is. I mean, for me, this is my personal opinion. Messi's fantastic. Like the ball is like stuck to his feet. But for me, anyway, and this is a controversial point, he just scores the t- same type of goal. And there might be fantastic and wonderful. But it's like it's all very samey. Whereas Ronaldo will just score headers, volleys, free kicks, overhead kicks. You know, mazy runs and step overs, and I guess it, it, it's, he's just so much more technically gifted, I think, than Messi. This is, to this play. is beginning to sound like one of your talk sport uh, rants, Ross. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> controversial talk, talk sport yeah. rants. <laughs> On speakerphone, in the car, half past twelve at night. <laughs> I just had to pull over and call because. <laughs> oh, I wish it wasn't true. <laughs> you know how we, do you know how we, we don't really know a lot about his kind of private life, etc. But I think there is today. He's all over social media. Ross Naldo. <laughs> um, do, do you know he's named after Ronald Reagan? No, really. yeah. Obviously, he shows the sort of po- political allegiances his family have. Um, just, it, it, they might have been fans of his acting. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. But big in Portugal. Where have you got that from? Yeah, Google search. 
facts about Ronaldo that you won't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you cannot cannot reveal your sources there. Um, but yeah, and then going to Italy, and I think for a lot of people, maybe they saw Italy as his China or America or something like that's where he would finish his career. Yeah. But like, so like making this movie, you know, it's just a huge statement of intent for him. I think it's like, I'm not going to go and play in America. I'm going to go and play in the best league in the world for the team that made me, you know. He's still hungry for a challenge, yeah. Such a romantic story. And like, I don't want United to win the league, but you couldn't really, you couldn't really write it out. So it was for you, you you said that the Messi comparison is a moot point. So you don't feel that was a driver for him in any way in his career? Obviously, I think it pushed both of them 100%. I think, again, my personal opinion is that the rivalry helped Messi more than it helped Ronaldo because, like we were talking before, that drive that Ronaldo has, it's everything that he does. It's about how he makes himself a better football player. And obviously, Messi feels more like he's just been gifted with this talent. Um, mm-hmm. If you know what I mean. So you think you'd say yeah. then that maybe he's had to work harder for it. Do you think he feels he has a bit of an outsider complex that he thinks he's, yeah. he feels like a bit of an outsider? He comes from you know Madeira. It's a tiny island, quite far from the European continent. You know, so do you think that plays a role in his personality? Absolutely, could do. Like if you think about it. When you ask anybody, Messi, Messi, Ronaldo, eight times out of ten, people are saying Messi. So he's he's a, he's the outsider in that conversation as well. And I think with what, what we just touched upon there before was Messi's got this sort of in like just inherent talent, um, and Ronaldo may not be as t- like born with talent as Messi was, but because he's had to work for it that much more I think that makes that's maybe why I like Ronaldo better because he feels like the underdog in that yeah. scenario I, I, I would agree with that and obviously going back on Madeira where he's from pretty poor parts of Portugal I, I, I understand and he also you apparently he was a bit of an outsider as a kid um, as well and he, he was you know he, he didn't have a lot of money you were quite poor as a family and he actually got expelled from school eh? 14 as well he was obviously wasn't fitting in threw a chair at a teacher so wasn't fitting in at all anywhere so uh, he, he must have had a bit of a chip on his shoulder and you know but he, he obviously just put it just so positive put it put it into something so positive could we um talk about the uh the only sort of black mark on his career the wink no not the wink that was a that's good. That was that was oh, positive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, uh, the the statue. Oh my god, that is the worst statue. Uh, 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 I'd love to have seen his face when that was unveiled. Oh my it pro- god, it, that, that the, when it was unveiled was probably the only time that the statues ever looked like him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so funny. It looks like the, oh, yeah. it looks like the statue from Art Attack. Oh, <laughs> Remember that wow. one that I used to talk? Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh. But to move on, I can 
I can I could provide a, a perfect segue. Oh, we love a segue. We love a segue. My next pick is George Best. And he once had a quote about Cristiano Ronaldo when he was at United the first time. And he said, there have been a few players described as the new George Best over the years, but this is the first time it's been a compliment to me. Wow. Um, another big word. Another that would have been very early days, Ronaldo. It's United career too, wouldn't it? George Best then, is that because of the Belfast connection, Ross? Is that something that pulls yes, you towards so. him? Yeah, I think, I think, I don't, as, I, as we all know, I've been dying to do my my episode for a long time and keep pulling out. Um, but George Best has been the only player that's remained on my list. Um, he was always going to be on it. And that is just basically down to my dad. My dad is just, because of his passion for, for George Best, and, and so I, I kind of knew George Best vicariously through his stories. And just, just, just the the way that he George Best is playing in the in the most troublesome time in in the country, um, and so he's the he's probably the, the the only positive thing at that period of time about Northern Ireland, and because of that, whenever there was a Northern Ireland match or anything like that, like it, it kind of melted down the divide. So I'm told of like so like like the like the entire population would watch and, and feel pride that that basically the best player in, in world football is from our wee country you know and I say our wee country not in a political way in a, in a you know a, a warm way I don't really but it's some it's been politicized over here but uh I, I mean in, in like a term of endearment you know like it's such a small like 1.5 million people population and to have someone of that stature be from here was was just too much to to, to not see see a bridge in the gap, you know what I mean? So um like he's like he was the first like we just talked about the Premier League and trying to get this these superstars and make it a brand and things like that. George Best was everywhere. He was like a movie star. Like you know he was he was the, they called him the was the fifth people, you know, like he was a proper celebrity you know that you could go through any number of quotes about his miss world or anything like that but like the best one for me that sums him up all the time is uh i often went missing miss world no. Miss america <laughs> oh yeah um i spent a lot of money on booze birds and fast cars and the rest i just squandered uh-huh. <laughs> just like, yeah yeah but it's it's hedonism way before the hedonism. Yeah. But you think, yeah, you think what's happening over in America and all it's like the summer of love and all that sort of shit, and like that's bound to come over a little bit over to Britain. And I think yeah, it's just a, just seemed like a very sort of liberal time to be alive. You know, you know, you you were just people were sleeping with each other for the first time and taking drugs and all this sort of stuff was coming in. Um. And he was just, yeah, he was just like this little kid from Belfast who doesn't know his luck and was like, I'm getting paid to do the thing that I'm the best at. And women find me really attractive. And like, you can just, you can see almost, I probably think if we, if, if he came through now, you could see that kid, that guy's going to just spiral off and, and it's going to become too much for him, you know? So, wait, so 1963, I think it was, he, 
comes to Manchester United, buzz, the Busby uh, Babes, yeah. and he played in a front three with Charlton. Was must have been quite a bit older than him. I think he always yeah. older anyway, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> and Dennis Law as well. Dennis Law was signed yeah. for a record fee. Yeah, like, that's ridiculous in the sixties for a hundred thousand pounds. <laughs> that. Yeah, in today's money, while well, someone can work it out, but they get from Italy, of... Torino, Dennis Law. Yeah. Mm. yeah, so that front three, and then <clears throat> four, five years until it beat Benfica and won the European Cup in 1968. But how long was he at Manchester United for? Was it like t- ten or eleven years or something? I don't know. Actually, I don't. I'll just check it here, but yeah, I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. But it does. He does. While I'm looking it up, it does feel like it's, it's synonymous with Man United. You know, like it, yeah, it's, it's, no one thinks George Best. Oh, San Jose Earthquakes. It's like it's yeah. Man United. Oh, he played for like a dozen clubs after, but only yeah. in the same amount of time he'd spent just at Manchester United yeah. for those three. Days. Yeah, three hundred. He was like twenty-seven when he left, wasn't he? Twenty-six, twenty-seven. 11, 11 yeah. years at United. 11 years. But, you know, and then didn't he, he was playing, he was like a journeyman after that, but he yeah. just wasn't that interested, was he? You know, you were getting chairman, were coming and even played in Ireland, like, played. Yeah. I can't remember what we played for, but he played. Cork. For, he played for Cork. Cork Hibernian, they were called at the time. And, you know, you look at his appearance list and it, you know, two games here, three games there, you know, Playing up in Scotland, playing for all these teams who probably don't even exist anymore, you know. Yeah, let, let me just give you some of the names, right? So my, after yeah. Man United, it goes Jewish Guild, Jewish Guild, <laughs> and gets gets loaned out immediately to Real. Dunstable Town. Uh, Stockport County then buy him. And Jewish Guild sounds like a union. Doesn't sound like a football <laughs> club. You know what that reek that reeks of like chairman board members doing each other a favour. Jewish Guild yeah. is a South African team. Ah, okay. So yeah, wow. you go from Dunstable, Stockport County, over to Cork Celtic, Los Angeles Aztecs, Fulham, back to Los Angeles Aztecs. Obviously, like that there, Fort Lauderdale Strikers, Hibs, San Jose Earthquakes, CB, like S E A B E E, there, Hong Kong Rangers, then to Bournemouth, over to Hong Brisbane Lions, Brisbane, yeah. <laughs> Brisbane Lions, Ox- Osborne Park, Galeb, Nuneaton Borough, and finishes his career with one game for Tobermore United. Looks like he had his gap year after he left United, but it went on a bit too long. Well, it's it, always, it, it, wasn't it in that year that he he started a fashion change, didn't he? It's he, probably he where each of these Andre Arshavin of his day. Oh yeah, and he had a fragrance as well, didn't he? <laughs> Did he have a yeah. fragrance? Yeah. Who the best? Whiskey. Which, yeah, like he's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no. But maybe it, maybe it was all so it. Maybe it was different places that you know his current girlfriend was from. Who's like a met a girl ah, yes. America, That's a went back to thing, and then got back yeah. with the girl from America. So went back to Los Angeles. <laughs> I believe he would all those clubs. He would have a um, pay as you play. Yeah, so like, yeah, would... like he played like games he plays. You're talking. Two games played, one games played, five games played, and they're all in the same year. So I don't know what way the transfers worked back then, but he obviously was just 
walk, like walking around, like almost like oh, like a mercenary. He had a lot of uh, financial problems, so he'd he'd play a game to pay off a, a tax bill or whatever, and then. I wonder as well that the idea of maybe this is an argument against too much sort of personal wealth can can spoil somebody, or, or yeah. too too much freedom, but. There are lots and lots of stories, you know, of people who they can't handle the wealth and the money and the fame. But there is also this narcissistic drive to always be on the edge, to know what it's like to to lose it, because that is where the vitality is. And so it's almost like, doesn't matter how many times I go bankrupt or broke or end up in hospital, need my stomach pumps or whatever, and they need that knowledge that they can live with nothing, that they have to be able to throw it away in a sort of weird narcissistic way. Yeah. Because it's yeah. an ultimate rejection as a sort of form of freedom. And... But how did that translate onto the pitch, do you think? Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't, I don't want to like focus down on the negative aspects of George Bessel. There's, there's plenty and there's reason to do, do so. And that's why I said at the beginning, you know, these players are all people that I've somewhat disliked, you know, at one point or another. And whenever it came out, he was still alive and he was, you know, he was beating his wife or whatever, you know, you just sort of think that's, you're bringing shame upon your name and obviously on, you know, just say it just was, wasn't very nice. But when you, when you look back and you see him on the pitch, like I, obviously none of us are old enough to remember it, but like when you watch it on YouTube, there's like, he looks like Messi. Or I should say, like Messi from, looks like him. He looks you know. like he's from the future. Yeah. You know, he's, yeah. he's there. He's, a lot of it's obviously black and white. It's wonderful footage to watch. Yeah. And you say he looks like Messi, but every single defender is not uh, not is not is looking at the ball in those days. You yeah. Know? yeah. All they're trying to do is bring him down rugby yeah. rugby style sometimes. And on those pitches as well. And, he, and, he, and he's flying past them. And that's why it's so incredible. Mm. Yeah, and it, it, yeah, like who, like even today on those smooth carpet pitches, who who would who would play a one-two off a off a defender that's lying on the ground that's just tried to tackle you? Like who would who would take their boot off because it's not comfortable and pass the ball while they've just got socks on? Yeah. You know, like and or that that famous clip with like the it's from Northern Ireland. The guy in the red, I don't know what he is, but like it's a defender, like jockeying him like this, and Best is just walking towards him, rolling the ball with his foot, and then every so often, like lifting his leg as if he's going to kick it off, him. and he does it for for about forty five seconds. <laughs> it's like who who would do that? In, in Absolute entertainer, wasn't he? Yeah, just like box office. I mean, I, I love looking back at his old goals and highlight reels, um, as, as as you guys do. Um, I love the the one that was disallowed. Um, I think he was playing for Northern Ireland and did the keeper. He, he, do you know what? He didn't even have it in his hand anymore. He was like, yeah. do you know how like it would take ages, and then he would like do it up in the air to kick it, and he literally just got his just got in front of him. That's the ball off. That was that was against England. It was was it against Gordon Banks? Was it? Yeah, Gordon Banks, and yeah, he goes to cross. No more, does he? No. <laughs> it, was, it was genius. Like he, we, yeah. he waited till the ball was out of his hands. It should have been allowed, but he had like again back yeah. in that back in them days. Like that's the first time anyone's ever seen something like that. So yeah. you're like obviously going to disallow it because you can't do that. You know, it must be it must be cheating. 
if we've never seen yeah. it before. Yeah. But I, I, Sam, I think what you said there was so perfect. Saying you, you look like you were from the future. I think that's just so like, really well put. Like, um, thanks, just, thanks, mate. You're welcome. Um, yeah, he just looks like he's playing a different game. He's playing his own game a lot of the time, doesn't he? Do you think George Best's legacy has endeared himself so much that he's created an, a generation of people that watch Manchester United in Belfast? Without a doubt. You know, without a doubt, Man United are, the, are by far the, the most supportive team in Northern Ireland. Without a doubt. I would like to just mention something about Best, which I think is interesting. That generation that you're talking about, Ross, his lifestyle, his like playboy lifestyle or whatever was kind of was heroic to them. So it's interesting someone like that now is either a joke, cringy, or extremely tragic. And I think that says a lot about masculinity. Footballers are primary masculine role models for many men in the world. For us, for our generation, Best is a, is, a, is not a hero, he's a tragic figure. Yeah. You make a good yeah. point there, Sam. That's, that's fascinating. We could really dive into that, couldn't we? Just considering that your, your previous choice was Ronaldo, where I even mention him in sometimes when I'm teaching, when I talk about role models or standards, high standards. And yeah, you can you can make it cynical and talk about the brand and stuff, but there are, there are young people all over the world that walk around with Ronaldo on the back of the shirt and they idolise him because he's everything about him is a model for someone. Discipline, hard work, technique. And like you said, maybe the difference between him and Messi is M Messi might have this maybe natural touch, but Ronaldo shows a human side of hard work. And maybe we really appreciate that. And there's not that many. Like, I'm the same age as a player like Ronaldo. But I still idolise him as if he's a generation before me. And so, but that's a really interesting point you make, Sam, about George Best. It's easy to make fun and yeah. and take the mick about the, the, his career, but he's a product of ideas around masculinity and easy to to shoot down when actually he had it all. And, the, the, the quotes that come out, you almost can't argue with them because it's almost like sticking twos up and saying, you can say what you like about me, but I've done it all. And what yeah. more do I, what more did I want? So I might as well throw it away. Um, it, you know, it is, it, he's very much a, a, a figure of, of pity when, when you think about him. But then, but it's, it's all, it's, it's, it's a weird feeling because there's pride and pity because it's, he, he would, he brought such positivity at a time when Northern Ireland didn't really have much. So, but now, do you, do you remember the Cookstown sausages adverts? Yeah, I, 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 obviously I don't remember it, but I remember seeing um, videos of it, yeah. Yeah, he's just basically eating a sausage, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think on that note. <laughs> All right, well, thanks right, for joining us. Nice and uh, we'll, don't forget to subscribe and... Speak to you later. Bye-bye. Uh, there's been oh. better pods. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to listen to this uh, with a sober mind.
Go, oh shit.